Um, we are currently in a series called uh, TYMK, which is a series in First John. And um, I just want to read you uh, a verse, and, and then I want to jump into something after this. So um, John chapter 4, verse 21 says this. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So here in the scripture, there is a correlation between loving God and loving your brother, and they seem to be equal. The verse before that says this, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. And we all know where liars work, if you've noticed my Facebook. Somebody put on my Facebook, uh, a Facebook post. They, you know how you can post things on there? And there's like a, an adult mother and a daughter. And she says, you know, you need to quit lying because all liars go to work for CNN. It, that's the, <laughs> the caption on there, which is kind of funny. But nonetheless, he is, he is a liar. Secretly... Um, Never mind, I'm not going to go there. So, I'm not going to go there for you. Um, if anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. So, there's a correlation between your love for someone that you can see and your love for God who you can't see. And it's saying here that if you can't love the people you see, you can't love God who you haven't seen with your own eyes. You haven't touched, felt, got in, got in touch with that way. So with those two verses, I want to cover a couple of things. Um, so love is a good thing, right? Okay, some of you might not be sure. So I said again, love is a good thing, right? Right, love is a good thing. And thinking... is a good thing to do. Right? Thinking is a good thing to do. Using your mind and thinking through things is, is a great thing to do. Um, for instance, let me give you an example. Uh, there, was this, there was this movie. It's, it's awful. Um, it, it's, it's called Ocean's 8. Okay? Ocean's 8 came out couple months ago, and I, and I saw all this stuff going on about it, and it's just an awful. It's, they, look, Women should not recreate men, men movies. They, they shouldn't. Or guys should just get together and recreate still magnolias in a, in a barbershop is, is my, my idea. You know what I'm saying? Still magnolias at a barbershop. And, you know, that's so. Anyway, nonetheless, Ocean's 8. Well, well the, the reporting on that when it came out the first weekend was, oh, it's the best movie of the year. It's, it's a breaking box office stuff, and it, and it had all this kind of stuff. Well, the first weekend, it made $41,000. $41 i I'm sorry, $41 million. <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily live in the million world. Um, $41 million. Well, if you know anything about box office, that is, that is small. That's small potatoes. And, and in fact, if you were to adjust it for inflation, which they didn't do, it would be much less than that. 
compared to the box office stuff as well. And so what you have to do is when you see something like that, you have to think it through. Well, is this really true? Is it really not true? 41 million seems to be small. It seems like Avengers made uh, millions and hundreds of millions and hundreds of millions, but this 41, how is this a success? And then they were saying that Solo, a Star Wars story, which had 89 million the first box office weekend, was a failure. I, I, I just don't understand that. So you start thinking through that and you start wondering how that all fits together. It is a good thing to think, correct? Okay. It is also a good thing to have... Emotions, right? It's a good thing to have emotions. We are created to have emotions. It's a part of us being um, in the image of God, having emotions. It's a good thing to have emotions. The problem is, well, not here, and I'll explain that later, is when we only think and have no emotion. When we only think and have no emotion to it, we hurt people. We come maybe to the right conclusions are the wrong conclusions, but we have no sense of people and we have no sense of, of caring for people, and so it's all thinking. If we only have emotions, nine times out of ten, and probably almost ten times out of ten, you're going to make the wrong decisions, because if you're emotionally driven, and that's it, and this is all you have, you will do this one day, this the next day, this the next day, feel this way, and you'll be all over the board. What should happen is all of this should work as an equation. The first thing that we do, I need those lights on right there. Those, those lights. There's one. And then, yeah, great. So right here, you have love plus thinking equals emotions. But wait a minute. Isn't love an emotion? The answer to that question is yes. In fact, if I was over here at the emotion side, I would say love is emotion. Anger is an emotion. Peace is an emotion, right? Um, feeling good is an emotion, right? These are, these are all emotions. So you could put those over here. However, this love right here that I'm talking about is different than this emotion over here. In fact, if you were to put love over here as an emotion, it is something that you as a human create. Right? Everybody in the world can love. Everybody. And we can create love. We can create a human version of love. In fact, this is why you hear people that say that they've fallen out of love. Because what they're saying is, I have created a love for someone, and now I love them no longer, and I've fallen out of love. So emotion you can fall out of, just like you can fall out of being mad at somebody, and then you like them. Or being angry at your kid, and then loving them the next minute. Because we create these human versions of anger, and, and love, and caring, and compassion, and all that. And we create it all over here. It's an emotion. It's the way you create it. I'm having a particular emotion right now with this microphone that keeps coming off of my ear. But emotions, right? This love right here, however, is different. See, whereas I create this emotion of love, 
This love right here is a gift. And it's not a gift from my wife. And it's not a gift from my, from my, um, from my children. It's not a gift from my parents. They, they have absolutely nothing to do with this. This love is actually a gift from God. See, in Scripture, you have a couple of things going on, okay? In the passage we're going to look at today in a minute. You have this. God is love. God is what? Does this mean that God is a, a mushy, warm, sensitive feeling, um, flowers everywhere in kumbaya? God, no. No. <laughs> no. He's love. God is love. God is actually what love should be. God does not create love. God does not, all of a sudden, oh no, I need to love them, so I need to figure out how to love them. No, God is love. It's an attribute of his. God is love. So whereas you can do this alone, and you can do this alone, you cannot do this one alone. Because once you connect with God who is love, it guides your thinking, and then your love, his love and your thinking guide your emotions. That's how it works. So in life, we are either creating our own love for each other, and we're doing it with the human, humankind, and we're in love one, one day, and we're out of love the next day, and it's just, it's just really exhausting. Or we are abiding in the love of God, which is controlling what we think about people and situations, which is creating the proper emotions that we have towards said people. Is this making sense? Totally different. This love and this one is totally different. So, this one doesn't last. This one you don't need to conjure up. This is something you create. This is something you connect to. You don't create it. It's already there. Um, so, God is love. Love has manifested itself in Jesus. God loved us. God who is loved is in us, and that love can be perfected. And whoever abides in love abides in God. Now, for Christmas this past year, Nicole asked for some ice cubes. For Christmas. And that might seem strange to you. It was strange to me when she first said it. I was like, don't we have an ice maker in the refrigerator? I mean, what, this will be an easy gift. Ice cubes, water, ice cubes. No, no, no. She wanted these type, this type of ice cubes right here. They are plastic on the outside, water on the inside. So she wanted fake ice cubes with real water that turned into real ice cubes but never really melted so that she could use them over and over again. That's, that's what she wanted. So she sent me a link on Amazon for what she wanted, okay? And, and this, is what I, this is what I read for it. Tired of watered-down drinks? Cool them down with, water, with watering them down with these great reusable plastic ice cubes. No mess, no dilution, just cooling. Easy to use and reuse over and over again. Also, keep the liquid the same color, especially for whiskey and wine. 
for the last nine months, I've been looking for where that whiskey and wine is in my house. Because obviously she wants it. But she wanted those ice cubes. And, and that's, that's it. So keep that in mind. And as you do, turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We'll begin reading with verse 7. It says this, Beloved, that's, by the way, a word for love. If you counted all the times that John uses the word love from verse 1 all the way to the end of this chapter, it'd be 28 times in 21 verses. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. This is really simple. God is love, right? And this love is from God that you receive at the point of salvation. It's inside of you. It's inside of your heart. Something you believe in. Whoever loves other people is born of God and loves God. Now, this love right here is different than the love that we that we come up with. It, it's different. It's, it's, a, it's a perfected love. It's, it's God's love. It's something that doesn't, you don't fall out of. It's, it's a permanent sort of thing. Verse 8 says this, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay? So if you and I decide not to love, we do not know who? God. So John is making a very simple but profound statement that all believers should always love. All believers. That somehow or another, you and I always should show the love of God. If we do not love, we do not know who? God. Because God is love. God is is love. Do you know there is no place in Scripture where it says God is hate? It says that God has hated people. He, he's hated um, people because of maybe what they've done, what they've chosen to do, them running in rebellion against him. He, he has said that he has hated people, but that hate is based on his love plus thinking, and then he has an emotion. That's how he, he does that. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that God is hate. But it does say that God is love. This means that God eternally and always loves. Just like he's eternally and always holy. He's eternally and always righteous. He's eternally and always um, omniscient. God is always love. He never falls out of this. But this love plus his thinking, just go with me with this, God's this emotion. And yes, yeah, sometimes it says that he hates and he hates people that run away from him, that reject him. That's the people in the Bible that he said that he hates. It also says that he hates liars in Scripture. And there's a list of like six things that God hates, fornicators, liars, I mean, it's a list. So, but it's all based on this love sort of thing. Why does he hate that? Because he hates 
the fact that someone is not being all that they could be because he created them to be so much more and so much different. And he hates the fact that they are going in that direction. And therefore, he hates them. Now, this is a picture of how you can make ice cubes in the refrigerator. This is old technology. For some of you, you've never seen this technology if you're younger. But this is basically a mold for ice cubes. Now, when I was a kid, my mom used to actually put like a um, toothpick in, in the ice cube, and it would be Kool-Aid, right? And she'd make Kool-Aid pops. So she'd make Kool-Aid pops that way. We, we were not rich enough to have, you know, the, the nice ones. You know, the lollipop that you stick it there. We just didn't have that. But we stuck the little, two little cute, and we did it. And that was really good. So if you want to know how to make ice cubes in a particular shape, in a particular way, that is how you do that. Now, let's continue. Verse 9 says this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. God's love means that he pursued you and me. He pursued you and me. Next screen. He pursued. So God, somewhere, somewhere in eternity before he even created you, saw that the human race was going to fall. He saw everything wrong that you were going to do. And he said this. I love them because I am love, and I'm going to pursue them because I still want a relationship with them. Let me bring this in perspective for you. There's only two types of beings that he has ever loved this way, angels and human. He's never died for angels, but there was a moment in time where they made a choice. But he died for the human race. In other words, what I am saying, and don't throw tomatoes, I don't think you have any, and that's a good thing. God did not die for your dog. He did not die for your cat. Some of you are thankful he didn't die for that snake that your, that your husband killed the night before. Some of you are very thankful that he didn't die for spiders. He didn't die for all these other types of animals. God came in to pursue you by dying for you on the cross because he loved you. I want you to think a moment about the sins that you've committed in your life, okay? How many of those sins would be reason enough for God not to pursue you any longer? All of them. The moment that you decided to lie, the moment you decided to cheat, the moment, the moment you decided to look at something you shouldn't look at, the moment you got drunk, the moment you, you took drugs, the moment you decided to get angry at somebody and it caused division, whatever you did, whatever you said, those are all reasons for God not to love you, but for some reason God pursued you. And he not only pursued you, he took up what's called the propitiation. That's a huge word that John uses. It's one of the biggest ones that he uses. He did this propitiation thing, which basically means this. God decided that he was going to take your punishment on the cross for your sins so you wouldn't have to. He became the satisfying 
person. He became the satisfaction for satisfaction. That's a new word. We make those up every, every Sunday. The satisfaction for God and his holiness. He decided to take your punishment for you. Now, how many of you had brothers and sisters? Yeah, okay. When I was a kid, I really liked it when my sister got a spanking. Do I have a witness? Yeah, yeah. One is, it wasn't me getting the spanking, right? This is number one. It's not me. Number two is, ah, oh, this is great. You love your sister, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, I'm really glad it's her, right? I would bet that of all of us that had brothers and sisters, at the moment in time where that sister was about to get a spanking, I bet we did not ever enter the room and say, wait a minute, Dad, I'm going to take the punishment for her. Move aside, Phyllis. <laughs> I'm ready. I bet nobody in the room did that, right? At the moment that your mom said, hey, go get a switch. Look, Mom, I'll go get the switch for Phyllis. And uh, I know what you're thinking, but, but I'll take her punishment. And you go get a switch, and you say, Phyllis, just stand aside, and I'll take the punishment for what you've done. There's nobody in this room that would have pursued your brother or your sister in that fashion. Nobody. But God, in his sovereignty, decided to come into the world and take the punishment for your sins on the cross of Calvary. He said, I'm pushing them aside and I'm going to take their, their punishment because I'm the only one who can. I'm the only one who can pay for it. I'm the only one that be, can be the propitiation. And I'm going to die because I love them. He pursued you. And there's all kinds of reasons why he shouldn't have. All kinds of reasons. All kinds of reasons. But he did it anyway. How many of you um, make ice cubes with an ice maker? Right? It's a great invention. In fact, I have a picture of one right, right here. Um, how many of you have ever had a demon ice maker? Okay, so that comes in two forms. Okay? One is, you know the little arm that's supposed to stop it from making ice? I had one one time that didn't stop it from making ice. And so it filled up the bucket. We're on vacation. Filled up the bucket. This is when I was a kid. Filled up the bucket. Went all into the freezer. And when we opened the door, it all fell out. Right? You ever have that? The second is, have you, have you ever been home alone? And, and, and you're just, the house is quiet. You're in some other part of the house and you hear a... And you think somebody's breaking into the house? So you grab your weapon of choice and you go through the house to try to see who it was and all the time it's, it's the ice maker. See, our ice maker in the house is the same thing. It makes that big loud noise, but then about, I don't know, a couple minutes later, it does this, resetting itself. Does anybody have an ice maker that does that? You've never heard that sound before? You know, like, oh, it's, it's, the, it's the ice maker. My ice maker at my house seems to hit the wall when that ice comes out, like, right? So you can go somewhere in the house and, 
oh, what is that? Somebody's trying to get in, and you get your weapon of choice, and you go, go check it. Yeah, those are called demon ice makers, but they still make ice. Okay, verse 12. Check this out. No one has ever seen God. No one. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. His love is perfected in us. When I create my own love, it's not a perfect love. It has human qualities with it. it. has fallen qualities with it. When I create my own type of love towards something, it, it, is, it is temperamental based on what is happening, based on what people are doing when I create my own type of love. God's love isn't that way. And when we start thinking about God's love ruling our life and God's love actually being a part of what we do, um, it's hard to fathom that that love could actually show in our life at all times in a perfect way. But here in this passage of Scripture, it says if you abide in God's love, it will be perfected in your life. It will be perfected in your life. There is a way for you and I to live in perfect harmony with the love of God and to show that love perfectly in our life. It says here that it will be perfected. So how in the world do you do that? How in the world do we let this love be guided by this love? How do, how do we do that? Is there, is there steps that we can take? Well, look at verse 16. It says this. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and see his brothers in need, that is not the verse. That is chapter 3. I was like, that, that is not what I studied this week. Verse 16 of chapter 14 says this. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. How do we connect with this? We know God's love, and we believe God's love. We know God's love, and we believe God's love. It, it is really that simple. The question is, do we really trust in this? Do we really believe in this? Do we really abide in this love? The only way to connect to it is to know it and to believe in it. It's easy to believe that love is temporary, isn't it? Come on, let's be honest. It's easy to believe that love is temporary. We see it take place in our lives all the time. We have seen ourselves fall out of love. We have, seen, we have seen things happen in our life where love is just not permanent. But over here, it's really hard to comprehend that this love never fails. It never gives up. It never gives up on me. It's hard to believe that this love is always the same yesterday, today, and forever because God is love and he loves me. It is hard to comprehend that this love never, ever fails and is always available. And all you do is know it and believe in it. And it's always there at the beginning of your equation. Always there. 
So at the moment that you think, good night, I'm so irritated. You pause a moment and you contemplate that God is love, believe in his love, begin to think and allow that process to tone down your irritation to where it needs to be. And maybe your irritation doesn't need to be there at all. Right? There have been times where I have trusted in God's love. I know he loves the person. You, you just wrap your mind around that. He loved me first. Therefore, he loves them. You start thinking about what has happened. Let that kind of color what you're thinking about the person in the situation. It really helps in that God's love just comes in and it begins to guide your emotion to where my irritation got to where it needed to be so that I could handle an issue. But a lot of the times, irritation is wiped out because I have done this equation. Love of God, thinking, guiding your emotions. It always has to start right here. Know, believe, and abide. Um, have any of you ever seen ice sculptures? Any of you? Here's a couple of my favorites that I've noticed. Look at that one. This is amazing. I tried to find like people that actually do ice sculptures, like artists, like you could actually get an art. I've never, I haven't been able to find a specific artist that does them. But that Ferris wheel right there, I don't know how they did the spokes. Like I could, I could probably tell you how they did the little, the little house on the left-hand side. You know, I could tell you how they did that. But how they got the spokes in there and, and did all of that is, is pretty absolutely amazing. It took a lot of time for that. Here's another ice sculpture. That's a city, right? Ferris wheel, Big Ben, that sort of deal. And there that guy is working. That's the closest I came. Nobody seems to know that guy's name. I call him Iceman. Here's the next one. Look at that. Perfect head. And there are a lot of these. And they're sitting in a room. It looks like this. Next one. Now, ice sculptures melt, don't they? Sculptures melt. Next screen. Here's a shoe. With detail. So, it wasn't a little ice box that they poured the water in and made little squares. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't an ice maker. It was somebody that cared enough to do that type of... Of art. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were given one of these, what would you do? What would you do? I have an answer to that question. I would try to keep it. I would try my best to keep it. If someone took the time to give me a personalized ice sculpture, I would try to keep it. So I've thought of different ways that you could keep it. Have you ever been to the uh, grocery store and you had those doors that you opened up to get your ice cream? Right? I would... If it fit, I'd get one of those and put that in my house and put it in one of those and keep that going. Then you would have to think through, okay, so what if the power goes out? Well, if the power goes out, I'm going to have to have a generator so the ice sculpture doesn't melt. Because I don't know if you know this or not, um, it's not just the wintertime where your power goes out. It's also in the summer when there's a lightning storm, 
um, maybe even last night, okay? So you, you, would try, you would try to keep it because that particular thing to me would be very valuable. Whoever gave it to me, I knew spent a lot of time on it. They gave it to me. I would stick it somewhere that I could keep it and keep it well and keep it frozen because it was valuable. Now, now minus the temperature, minus the temperature in this illustration, that is exactly how we should be about God's love. God's love that is a gift to you is a gift that should be cared for and kept. And anything that you could possibly do to, to know it, to connect with it, to keep it, should be done in order for you to be able to display it in your thoughts and in your emotions so that the world knows that love that is a gift. It is a precious gift. It is a one-of-a-kind gift. It's a one-of-a-kind gift that can be given to you, and then you have it. You do not have to conjure it up. You do not have to create it. It is there within your heart, within your soul, at the point of salvation. And to abide in it, to keep it, to keep it, would be an amazing thing. To keep it and keep abiding in it, would God all of this, this, should be something that we protect. We protect. Verse 17 and 18 of chapter 4 says these words. This is this. By this love perfected within us, so that we may have confidence before the day of judgment. Because as he, is, as he so also are we in this world... There is no fear in love, but perfected love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Um, there, there are... We'll switch to this. There are some people in this room. Good news. God never told us we had to love a microphone stand. All right. There's some people in this room that wonder how in the world God could love you. There's some people in this room. And you might wonder that from time to time, but what I want to tell you this morning in the words of Rich Mullins is God is wild about everybody in this room. He's wild about you. He's never not been wild about you. He has never not been focused on you. He has never not been pursuing you. He has never not wanted what's best for you. God has pursued you. And he loves you. He has pursued you more than you have pursued him. And if you were to do a, a statistic on that, God has pursued you 99.9% .9 of the time and you have pursued him 0.1% in comparison. 
because God absolutely loves you. So I don't know what you've, you've done. I don't know the questions that you've had that you think might be not good questions and maybe God doesn't like you because of those questions and maybe they're dark questions and maybe there's darkness in your life and, and you're not really sure how much God really loves you and you might think that God loves the pastor more than he loves you and because the pastor seems to be closer to God than you. God doesn't care really about closeness when it comes to his love. He loves you equally. Equally. He loves you as much as he loves me. He loves you as much as he does the person that you think is the most perfect thing in the world. God's love is equal, and God's love has never changed for you. God loves you. He loves you a lot.
And that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. I know that there's people in this room that feel like that they have felt as a parent because maybe their kid is not doing what they should do and they know that they haven't lived the right life in front of them. I know, I know that there's people in this room. I know that there's people in this room that hasn't treated people correctly this week. I know that there's people in this room like that. But this is what I know above all of that. Jesus loves you. This I know. And it's because the Bible tells me so. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to have an emotion for it. I just know it and believe it. Therefore, I'm connected with it. Amen? Aren't you glad that God's love isn't so frail that it depends on your emotions? It only depends on who He is. Hmm. Let's pray.